Are you creative? That's a rhetorical question, because of course you are. A creative is anyone who makes something from nothing. Creativity is everywhere and in everyone. And that means you. So what's been stopping your inner creative from bursting out? Probably fear. Fear is part of creating something. It's a real bee. But don't worry, we'll help you get through that. This podcast will be your guide to claim your creativity, redefine your relationship with fear, and build a new life centered around creative expression. You're going to learn tools from people who have found ways to manage life's ups and downs by turning their experience into purpose. Think of this podcast as your very own creative community. This is Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. Hi, how are you? I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. I wanted to do my quick creative check-in. So in starting any new project, it takes a tremendous amount of effort. And in that effort, you can get so wrapped up in the hard work of it that you forget to go outside and see the world and get inspired. (laughs) And I realized this weekend my dad was in town and it was so great to see him. And I gave myself Saturday to take a break and it was the first Saturday I'd taken off in probably like a month and a half, two months. And I went to an art museum. I saw one of my idols at the art museum, Rain Wilson, who is Dwight on The Office, which is like, I felt like a really good affirmation. But I also realized it's like, who am I to be purporting any sort of knowledge about creativity When I'm not going out into the world and getting inspired by other creatives besides the amazing people that I'm interviewing, of course. So my tip for this week for myself and for you is to not get so wrapped up in the work of your creative project that you forget to go out and be inspired by other people's creative projects, by nature, by having great conversations with other human beings. We have to not only give but we also have to be sponges at some point. Yes, we are creatives, but we are human beings first. And if we don't feed that human need to have adventure, to have fun, to feel joy, then we're not going to be able to create anything of value. So I hope that you do that this week. Take at least a few hours for yourself. I did that with my dad, but there's something really cool that Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, calls an artist date where you take yourself out to, it could be a toy store, it could be a museum. You take yourself somewhere to get inspired and you're supposed to do it by yourself. So it can truly be a creative date with you and your inner child. So I recommend that, but do it with someone else, do it with yourself, whatever it takes. Just go out into the world and let the inspiration come in. And I also wanted to give a quick shout out to our creative of the week. It's our listener, Dana B, a.k.a. Daydream Graphic Design. And I was so excited to hear about her. She tagged me in a post and she said she was inspired by the idea we talked about on the show that one way of overcoming perfectionism is by consistently putting out B-minus work. If we don't try, then we definitely won't ever achieve our creative dreams. I really believe that. So I highly encourage you to follow in Dana's footsteps and commit to putting your work out there. She put out some amazing work with that post and she's got all these cute little sayings and they're really inspiring and colorful and they just kind of make you feel optimistic and alive. So check out her amazing and inspiring designs at daydream.graphicdesign on Instagram. Now let's get to our guest. Maxine Tatlonghari is a blogger, philanthropist, and entrepreneur best known for founding the company Vanity Girl Hollywood. She had her idea for her company in a moment of pain. She got laid off from her job at the American Cancer Society, and she took that pain and turned it into purpose, creating and selling her very first vanity within months of coming up with the idea. The concept? To have an original Hollywood mirror available to the everyday girl. I was laid off from that job and pulled in Elle Woods and went to Burke Williams on Sunset to give myself like a spa day just to try and sort things out and figure out what I was going to do next. And I was getting ready in their vanity room with all the light bulbs around me and thought, how come nobody is making this available to like an everyday girl like me? You know, I mean, it happens for models and women on set, but like, what about us who just love beauty and makeup and feeling kind of glam and we can't just go order one? 
And so I sketched out the idea on a napkin and took it to a manufacturer I knew who was a friend of mine. And he said, I can make it. Could you market it? And with my background in PR and special events, I was like, I can market anything. And if it were mine, I would do it all day long, <laughs> which I did. Her vanities are both affordable and of great quality. So not only did she appeal to the everyday girl, but also tons of celebs, honey buns. They have been used by the likes of Kim Kardashian, Jennifer Lopez, Ariana Grande, Karuchi Tran, and more. She actually even did a partnership with Karuchi Tran, so she's killing it. I wanted to bring her on the podcast to show you that sometimes the moments in our life that we think are our greatest tragedies are actually our greatest gift. She's a brilliant example of turning adversity into purpose. From our chat, you'll learn tips on how to land jobs in creative fields, how to partner with influencers, the best way to ask for help with your creative project, and the key to getting into a creative flow state. Now here she is, Maxine Tatlanghari. So I like to start the podcast by asking people what they think makes a creative person. I would say it's someone who has something in their soul and wants to express that into the world. And that could be like with you, a podcast or content with your point of view. It could be a clothing line. It could be, in my case, a vanity mirror, uh, an event, a book. I mean, just anything where it's something in your mind or your heart or your soul and you put it out into the world. Beautiful. And I also think that creativity is really connected to the inner child. So I'm wondering, when you were growing up, what did you want to be? I wanted to either be a flight attendant. Love. <laughs> and I wrote down, I know this sounds silly, I wrote down note taker but because I just loved watching people type and I don't know. So There's something very um, meditative <laughs> about that. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's no, no mistake that I have blogger as part of what I do in my creative field because I do love to write. Yeah. And so did your parents growing up encourage that creativity in you or was it something they more pushed aside? That's a good question. Um, I'm Filipina. Yes. So in my culture, I think that our parents really want us to have good steady jobs. Right. So that's why you see so many Filipina nurses and Filipino accountants. And so I think that that traditional sort of background was always there. But my parents did, I mean, I was always reading books and writing and I was a free spirit. I wanted to travel around the world. And so they did encourage that. And I think when I became an entrepreneur, they were a little afraid, but also really excited for me. Right. So. Now, if someone, because you, it sounds like you had a lot of encouragement, like even it's hard when your parents, or are your parents first generation or are you first generation? My father was born in the Philippines okay. and came here um, in the Navy. Yeah. And my mother was actually born here in Seattle went back to the Philippines because her father did not want her to be raised as an American woman. Uh, and I'm born here, as is my brother. So so you're pretty much first generation. Yeah. And I think that's ways, really yeah. hard because it's like a lot – I'm Italian and my mm -hmm. dad was first generation. So it's like there's a lot of fear steeped in that culture because they sure. sacrificed so much to be here and to like give us the opportunities that we have. And so I really commend your parents for still encouraging that creativity in you. But if a kid – didn't have that luxury and they had early childhood programming that discouraged their creativity, what would be your advice to them on how they could kind of overcome that? Oh, that, that one's tough because I think that is pervasive in our culture as well. And I would then say, you know, listen to podcasts, watch videos for people who are creative and sort of fill your mind with that to kind of combat, and I don't want to say combat because right. I think that advice comes from a really loving place. They do it's, want to. They're trying to protect. They're trying yeah. to protect you, and they want you to have a good, easier life with steady benefits and all all of those Which luxuries. Can be lovely. I understand one hundred percent. But you know, there are so many great YouTube videos and podcasts and forums like this where I think you can hear creative people who have forged their own path and. And fill you know your mind and spirit with some of that too. Definitely. So you grew up in Seattle, you said, right? I'm actually born in San Diego oh, okay. and pretty much raised in LA. Okay, I was going to say yeah. what brought you to LA, but your parents <laughs> did. Yeah, and um, I started working in West Hollywood 
um, right out of college. They were one of my clients when I was in public relations. And I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the spirit of the city, the diversity, the creativity. West Hollywood is known as the creative city. So I guess it's no surprise that I would land here and feel so connected with this community. Uh, And so I'm a California girl through and through and an L.A. girl for quite a long time. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because you you is it okay, tell me the exact wording for what you hold in West Hollywood. <laughs> it's the yeah. Chamber of Commerce, is that correct? Right. So okay. there is a Chamber of Commerce uh-huh. which is dedicated to helping the business community flourish here. Okay. And so I sit on the board of directors for many years and um tonight actually being installed as the vice chair of special events. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. And in fact, the general manager of the hotel where we are podcasting from, uh, Nick Remedio, is being installed as the chairman of the board. Aww. And I also create content. So I'm a blogger with the West Hollywood Travel and Tourism Board. So I think that's so interesting because a lot of us grew up in these obscure cities and it's not... I mean, you're inspired by it in a different way because maybe you're inspired to leave or you're inspired to like... <laughs> tell the other people that you live with that there's more. But I think the place that you live can be a creative muse in and of itself. 100%. What has it been for you and how do you advise somebody else find their soul city? Wow. I I feel like I really fell into my soul city. You know, I was raised in a suburb called Carson. And like I said, when I graduated college, I, one of my first clients was the West Hollywood Travel and Tourism Board. And when I came here, I just, I fell in love. It was the walkability of the city, the diversity, how inclusive it was. It just felt like me and or it just like a, a spirit. So I would say if you can afford to travel, you know, whatever way that looks, I'd go travel, go to those cities that you fall in love with. And I mean, I feel that way about Paris as well. I lived in Paris for a little while wow. and that's another creative city, very walkable and inspiring and people dancing and music in the subways. And yeah, so I just love that art all around you. I mean, today we're, we walk into the lobby of the Lapeer and they're talking about goats coming. Yeah. Goats and piglets going to be coming. Which by the way, Maxine is like the mayor here. I mean, like everyone in the lobby was like, hello, Maxine. Hello, kiss, kiss. I mean, she's just like in uplifting everyone she talks to. Oh, it's really you. the way you want to be. And it's cool that you can have that because I think that there's a mis uh, a misconception that you can't have that in a place like L.A. Oh, and L.A. is yeah. all like it's so sectioned off, which is tough because it's hard to see your friends in other parts of the city. Sure. But it's beautiful because you really can have a small experience within this huge experience. So for anyone who's like scared to move here, I just want to tell them, yes, money wise, it can be tough at times. But there's so much opportunity to have an intimate experience here. Absolutely. You can find your tribe. Yeah. And, you know, DTLA has its heartbeat. Studio City has its heartbeat. Right. And Burbank, um, my hood. <laughs> Burbank has its heart. You know, every, yeah. every, like It's you a said. slower heartbeat because there's a lot of elderly people there, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have a lot of entertainment industry there. Yes. So you have a lot of creativity. I the think, WB. Yeah. That's why I originally the moved there. The big studios. There. Yeah, because I was interning on Ellen and yeah. I was just like, oh, I guess I'll just live there so I don't have to drive because those roads look mad scary. (laughs) And that is a big thing. I think that people do like live close to where they work or sort of get inspired. It's a big reason why I live in West Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it just, it really inspired me hearing you talk about that because I really want to start giving back to my community more. I realize I don't do that. And it's, it's something that gives you back so much. When you give back. In spades. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, so glad to hear that. that yeah. It inspired you to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. I've been getting signs, so it was cool to get another sign when I was doing research on you. <laughs> I'm such a believer in signs. Yeah. I'm such a believer. Tell me a time in your life when there's been a sign that kind of blew you away and that you listened to. I mean, when I got laid off from my fundraising job and was getting ready at Burke Williams in their vanity room and literally just had a light bulb moment. Like, this is how I want to feel. A literal when I, light bulb moment. A literal light bulb moment. I was like, this is how I want to feel when I get ready. And I think this could be a company. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that was kind of a sign. I mean, that was a huge sign and yeah. you followed it. So, okay, tell me tell me about the founding of your company okay. and just tell – I want to hear the story. Yeah, yeah. So I was working for the American Cancer Society. My background is public relations, right. fundraising, special event planning. And I was laid off from that job and pulled in L Woods and went to Burke Williams on Sunset to give myself like a spa day just to try and sort things out and figure out what I was going to do next. And I was getting ready in their vanity room with all the light bulbs around me and thought, how come nobody is making this available to 
like an everyday girl like me. You know, I mean, it happens for models and women on set, but like, what about us who just love beauty and makeup and feeling kind of glam and we can't just go order one. And so I sketched out the idea on a napkin and took it to a manufacturer I knew who's a friend of mine. And um, he said, I can make it. Could you market it? And with my background in PR and special events, I was like, I can market anything. And if it were mine, I would do it all day long, (laughs) which I did. So So how long from the time you brought him the sketch to the time you sold your first vanity? Oh my God. It was fast. And I know I'm very lucky in that regard because it was a local manufacturer in Los Angeles, like right off the 110 freeway in Gardena. And um, I think from the time I sketched it was around November, um, April of the next year. Wow. Yeah. But again, it was because we could do things in very small batches. I wasn't dealing with an MOQ, which is like a minimum quantity when you go manufacture overseas. And so I could do it in really small batches. And I put it up on an eBay store and a blog I built myself on WordPress. That's amazing. Did you do the coding yourself? No, no, because WordPress is so great because you can just have a content management system. And I joined a women's entrepreneur group to kind of find my tribe. And I met a girl there named Alea Williams. And she helped me get up on a blog and get up on social media myself because my website was being built <laughs> and it was taking so freaking long. And I'm like, I can't wait anymore. I just want to get this like listed somewhere so someone could buy it. And I think within two days, someone bought it. Her name was Crystal and she's from Ohio. And I love that you still remember her and call her out. That's so beautiful. <laughs> you do have to remember the people who first supported you. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many great things from that story that I want to break down. So one of them is, I think when you're in the right creative endeavor, you get into a flow state. And that doesn't mean it's easy, but energetically it is. Things happen. So you met all the right people. Somehow you knew the manufacturer and then your friend knew how to make a WordPress site. What is that feeling and how can we learn to trust it? And I don't think you can chase it, but how can we learn to trust it? No, that's a really good point. I think that you kind of put yourself, like with the manufacturer, he already knew me. And so he kind of knew if I was behind something, I would go in wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. So I think he trusted that in me. The woman that helped me with my WordPress, I met her through an entrepreneurial group. So I think that it's putting yourself around people that are like-minded and can um, bring those kind of things to fruition. And it was it it was definitely was a flow state. Yeah. It was just like the, the way I picked the name of my company and things just kind of flowed. And then I think you trust. Like I didn't come out of the gate with this humongous business plan. You know, I I had an idea of what I wanted to look like and I had a binder where I put in all my dreams, like vision boarding or Pinterest boarding like people do. So I had a a binder, I guess, boarding situation and um, I had an idea of what I wanted things to look like. But it it does feel like it was a lot of synchronicity and Mm -hmm. I do believe luck is where preparation and opportunity meet. So in a lot of ways I was prepared because I did know some of the right people and I think that's one of my strongest skills is you can, I know how to identify resources or like look at what people are strong at and then bring those together. And you're also an innovator because you saw that before anyone else did. Yeah. And you saw a hole in the market and you're like, this (laughs) needs to be filled. Yeah. Which is so interesting. One other thing, and I do want to get back to that, but one other thing I want to talk about from your story is that you weren't afraid to ask for help. No. That's something I realized with creating this podcast. I almost didn't put it out, but then finally said, you know what? I don't want to put this out because I feel alone and I don't know how to do it all by myself. So I started asking for help and I was blown away by how many people wanted to help me. Absolutely. How did you get up the courage to ask for help from your WordPress friend, from your manufacturer friend? And if somebody else is feeling bashful about that, how can they build that courage in themselves? I think with my manufacturer, I was really lucky because he kind of brought it to me. Like he knew I was laid off. He knew that when I'm behind something, I really give it my all. So he he said, you should do this. Well, I told him about the idea, but he definitely was already open to me doing something. And with the woman and the with the WordPress, I think, you know, I, I think the here's a big thing. I think in LA especially, we we barter, right? We trade. Yeah. Like I may not be able to pay you, but I have this skill set. I will make these phone calls. I will paint your room. Like whatever it is, it's like so whatever I can do. Like with you, you're like, I have this podcast and, you know, what can I trade you? And And so I think that we do a lot of that in LA. And I think as women, we do a lot of that because I think we get very creative. You know, right. I've heard stories of women who would trade like their patent attorney with also these drapes. And so it's just like what- Nice drapes. Yeah. Like what can I contribute to you and what can you contribute and how can we trade? And so- 
Yeah. So just basically making yourself vulnerable to that, like saying, hey, this is what I need. This is what I can provide you. Do you think we could work together? Right. Yeah. And the worst and offering th- something back. I, I'm yeah. a big believer in offering something back. And mm-hmm. I think that if you it's, if you don't ask, it's 100% no. Yeah. So at least if you ask, there's a 50% chance you might get a yes. And at least now too, they know what you're looking for. And so it may not be no yes right now, but it might be yes a little later. So you you started the company. You didn't have funding at that time, right? You self-funded. I self-funded some of it and then also had an angel investor in the manufacturer. And very quickly, we were able to, I think, break even. And so it was the right product at the right time in the right marketplace. (laughs) So just a lot of going back to what you said, synchronicity and right things sort of lining up. And yeah, so it was a lot of bootstrapping. A lot wow. of angel investing, which is still the case right now as we as we continue to grow and evolve. If somebody has a business idea and they're going through that fundraising process, what is your advice to them on how to make it through that? Because I feel like that would be so overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming. I think that it's about people that believe in you already just as a person and your work ethic and your ideas. And I mean, they do have to have a certain amount of means. You know, I would hate to go to someone with their last – $10,000 and have them gamble on an idea from me. <laughs> right. So this was someone who had a little money to spare. So I wasn't going to break him with my investment. And um, make sure that you take it seriously. I mean, I work very hard to be able to pay those investors back. And yeah, you have to take it really seriously. And you have in spades. So how did we go from Crystal in Ohio to Kim Kardashian in Calabasas? <laughs> oh my gosh, great question. So Kim, um, again, going back to that women's entrepreneurial group I told you about, uh, where I met Alea, I met another woman who was a publicist and was doing a celebrity gifting for Valentine's Day. You know, she identifies celebrities and you could get into her basket. Oh, cool. But she had a PR company. She did celebrity gifting, which is a very specific thing here in LA. And I wanted to be a part of the basket. You couldn't just get into the basket, even though you had to pay to be in it. She still had to vet the items and make sure that it was something that her celebrity clients would want. And so I showed her my vanity. She liked it. And uh, she had her list of celebrities. And I asked her if she could add Kim Kardashian to the list. This was 2009. Wow. Uh, And she's like, absolutely. I can't believe I left that one off. I just knew Kim was someone that would appreciate this item. You know, she was very, she is very glam. She did the lashes at that time. She had the hair. She just loved glam. And I just thought that this was something that would resonate with her. And it did. And then her publicist reached out to that publicist, said Kim was uh, redoing her vanity room in her home in Beverly Hills. And would I be interested in creating the vanities for that? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that's how that all came about. What was it like working with her? Especially because was that in the first year of Vanity Girl? It was. Um, yeah, it was in the first year. It was 2009. What was it like working with her and what did you learn as a businesswoman from her? She is. She was so kind. I've uh, always heard that. Yeah, she's really kind. Mm-hmm. She was very on time. Like she's very strict about showing up punctually. I would really, I would say those two things. She had a vision for her room. She knew exactly what she wanted it to look like. And she did what she said. She was just, um, just, it was a love, like a really lovely experience. That's so beautiful. Yeah. She was really kind. Who, out of all the celebrities who have used your vanities and that you've worked with, who has been your favorite and why? I can't say there's a favorite. (laughs) (laughs) They're all your favorite. Yeah, but I would say I really enjoyed working with Kim. Um, I loved working with Karuchi Tran, which was my latest collaboration. Um, Brooke Burke is lovely. She is lovely. She's so, yeah. And I've her daughter. I've interviewed her before. She she's really a is. And I love that she has, you know, her fitness app and she's doing her thing. I, I think that's what I'm inspired by all three of those, those examples is that they are beautiful and they're, you know, celebrities, but they also work really hard and mm-hmm. they really treat other people with that type of respect and kindness. Absolutely. And also Patty Stinger. She was really kind to me as well and built out her vanity room. So yeah, there's been, I've been really lucky. There have been quite a few. Oh yeah. I mean, you keep saying lucky, but I don't think it's that at all. I know, (laughs) I know that like we all have different interpretations of that word, but you just, you put out good and you get good back and you've got a really good product. So it makes a lot of sense. Yes. I I think definitely the product, again, right product, right time. Right person. Right person, yeah, because I love because I love it, yeah, and um, yeah. So, 
if somebody is starting out, they're just starting to get their product out there, they've sold their first, you know, whatever to Crystal in Ohio, <laughs> but they're trying to get to the next level and level up their business, how do you recommend they go about reaching out to influencers and getting on that track? Okay, that's a great question. I would say getting to the right events. You know, if you see that they're going to be somewhere, maybe trying to get invited to the events. You can also, I mean, you can slide into someone's DMs. You can definitely do that on Instagram. You know, direct message them on Instagram. You can reach out to their publicist. So, you know, everyone has a, a publicity team. Do you think so. you always have to pay right off the, the get-go? Like, I know for a huge star, maybe you would have to. But for somebody who's more of a micro-influencer, do you think you could do a trade? Absolutely. And I don't think you always have to to pay. Um, I think that if it's the right product and you're the right fit and delivering the right sort of partnership or collaboration, that mm -hmm. things can be creative. I think you can creatively work those things out. Definitely. And I think micro-influencers are great. Yeah, I they are. Th I think that they have a lot of credibility. You know, I think that there is now some, um, I don't want to say suspicion, but people feel like, oh, they're just saying that because they're paid. And so I think that with micro-influencers, they have that that type of like credibility that big influencers had like early on, which I think a lot of them still do, but there's some, you know, some speculation that not all of them are genuine. Not too legit. <laughs> we see you ungenuine influencers. Just kidding. Um, I, I'm not saying I've been really lucky, but I'm just saying you No, hear, you definitely you, have, but you hear that sometimes, you know. No, you can owners. tell though. I mean you can tell when someone's voice is phony, which by the way, I want to talk to you because you have your own personal Instagram, but obviously you have one for Vanity Girl as well. Yeah. So how do you go about developing your company's voice? My company voice has always been very tied to my voice. And as we continue to grow, I don't know that that will always be the best situation, but I, that's just been a big part of it. So I think that it has to be genuine. I think that you have to be someone that would actually use that product, which I am that person. I love to use um, user-generated content. So I love to showcase my vanity girls and my customers. I want to show their rooms. So that's just, that's how I've gone about developing it. And who is your typical customer? She is a beauty enthusiast. So she ranges in age anywhere from 13 to 50. You know, I think that she watches some reality TV. I think she follows influencers. I think she loves glam. And I, when I say she, I also mean he. I have vanity boys. Yes, so absolutely. Never want to leave them Inclusive. off the table. She slash he. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I think that they're someone who goes to Sephora and Ulta and also looks at some of the micro brands and is just like what's new on the market and excited about it. And it could be someone who has a full face beat or someone who likes to do the no makeup makeup. They just love beauty. And so... Now you've grown so much. You're growing even more. You've got travel vanities, which are really cute. I want to go buy one. Uh, um, I brought one for you. It's in oh my, my car. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> it's in my oh car. Oh, my gosh. Well, gosh, I really appreciate that. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Generous. So generous. <laughs> but as you grow, you're hiring people, I'm sure. And what do you look out for when you're hiring someone? And if somebody wants to work with you or someone like you in a creative field, what can they do to make themselves stand out? I look for someone who is really personable, who has a good work ethic. They, it doesn't even matter how I've met them. Like some of the people that I've worked with are the daughter of a friend I know or could be the waiter I meet at a restaurant. You, know, you, you can just see it. You can, and I always say how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're hustling as a waiter and you can see that spark, you can see the proactiveness in taking care of you. You're like, this person would really be great on my team or they would be great at front with me at an event or, you know, wh whatever that role might be. So I look for that sort of hustle and accountability and um, kindness. I say that a lot. I want them to be fun. I mean, if you have to work with someone, it might as well be fun. And also, I'm, I'm, we're a small company, so you have to be resourceful and scrappy. Like, figure it out. <laughs> figure it. Really? You have to figure stuff yeah. out. Yeah. Like, use Google. Google is your friend. How are you thinking about scaling the company? And where do you see it going in the future? Well, we had a couple of strategies in place. One is that we work with a, with a company, our, our rep, and they're TKG. They're one of the biggest companies in the beauty space. So that's been big for us. So getting into more retailers. Um, more salons, things like that. We were always straight to consumer. So that's been a change for us. Also, international has been big for us. I would love to see Vanity Girl, Hollywood, all over the world. We do ship internationally with the, with the travel vanities. Um, I think that our best 
international collaboration so far has been with Dubai. And we're in Bloomingdale's there, which is wow. great. And I'd love to see more of that. More events, more collaborations. We did a collaboration with Karuchi Tran that was really successful. So I'd like to replicate that with someone else who has that type of audience and passion for the beauty industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, like we, we talked about how you started this because you were laid off. <laughs> yes. Which is like, you know, you hear these stories all the time about people who were working at a place, they were totally heartbroken when they got laid off or if they got fired, and then they went on to do their greatest project yet. So if somebody's in that state, actually one of my best friends just went through this. She's, or two of them actually, are currently laid off and they're trying to figure out their next move. What would be your advice to them on how to find their vanity girl? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I would say, well, mine really started with, let me go do something that I love that makes me feel better, right? I went to the spa. So go do something that makes you feel good so you can kind of be in that vibration, whether that's you know, hiking or cooking a meal. I don't know. Whatever it is that gets you into a little bit of that flow state and just feeling better. For me, it was pampering and beauty. And then that's when the idea came. So I'd say go do something that makes you feel good right now while you're going through the hard time. And, you know, I think that it can be kind of a sign or it can come from that. Yeah. And see what ensues. Yeah. But you have to feel like you have to feel better. So whatever will make you feel better in that moment. And I think that will lead to the idea. Do you have like a spiritual practice of any sort or? Yeah. Well, I'm Filipino. You're Italian. Yes. So Catholic is of always course. in the background. And, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I will still go to church on like, you know, days. My, I have lost both of my parents. So, oh, so on their birthdays or things like that, I will go to church. I think it's probably more spiritual than it is religious at this point. And so I do pray and I do um, believe in the universe and I believe in signs and I believe in being nice to people. So... I That's think, the most yeah. important belief. Meditation. I wish I meditated more and better. <laughs> I believe in it. It's just, it's still a little tough for me to sit down and do that as a practice. I feel I, like just saying that you need to meditate better is like the opposite of what meditation <laughs> is supposed to bring. It's supposed to be like a non-judgmental yeah. blank space, right? So maybe I wish I so, meditated more frequently. Yeah, because I'm sure your meditations are like perfect. <laughs> and gratitude. Yes. I think that's a, a real practice. Yes. You know, things get hard. They do. And even when you do have your vanity girl, I mean, things happen. Cash flow happens and things, unforeseen things happen. And so still being grateful in yeah. the moment for the things that are good can be challenging, but I feel like that yeah. leads to more good stuff. It does. Mm-hmm. How do you deal though with those moments where you're hitting a brick wall? And how do you know that you're supposed to keep going? Because it's sometimes it's hard to tell what the difference between a momentary roadblock is and God being like, Halt your shit. <laughs> I don't – you know what? I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. Like I Because you've always just known to keep going. Yeah. I like. mean, I have just kept going. And is that the 100% right thing? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I think that, again, having that spiritual practice and and then, I mean, I think there are some things that will just really tell you, like, is your bank account at zero? <laughs> are you, you know, are you able to eat today? <laughs> yes. Are you paying your rent? So – That's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, hopefully it doesn't have to get that hardcore, but I mean, there are people that push through every adversity and it's, a, I think, also a matter of like how much can you, how much risk can you tolerate? I think everyone's stomach is different mm-hmm. and everyone's built for different things. So like I have a pretty high risk tolerance. My brother is very different. He's much more risk adverse. So only you know that, I think, in your heart. We'll be right back with Maxine. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Potion Naturals. Growing up, I loved collecting perfume. It was one of my favorite ways to express my creativity. I love the beautiful bottles, the different smells, and the ability to choose what aspect of my personality I wanted to bring out based on scent. But then, I found out most conventional perfume is highly toxic, and like that, what was once a huge passion came to an abrupt and devastating halt. That's a little extreme, but it was really sad. (laughs) That is, until I discovered Potion Naturals. Potion is the first and only store for discovering luxurious, 100% natural fragrances. Like I said, most fragrances are made using toxic synthetic ingredients and often have immediate and long-term health effects ranging from headaches to endocrine disruption. Not only are Potion perfumes toxin-free, they're also curated from artisan perfumeries around the world. 
so you don't have to choose between a safe scent and an expertly crafted one. You can have it all. And you know what I think is best about Potion? You can try before you buy. It's like dating for perfume. So they have a sample program where you can try five fragrances for $25. And when you get the sample pack, you also get a $25 credit toward any full-size perfume, which is a pretty fantastic deal. I got the sweet sampler because I like to smell like candy. And my favorite scent is Pro Vanilla, which I describe as a sophisticated take on your typical vanilla perfume. It's like vanilla all grown up. And here's a special deal just for your creative soul. For a limited time, go to potionnaturals.com and use code UNLEASH at checkout for $5 off of any sample pack, plus you get free shipping. Again, go to potionnaturals.com and use code UNLEASH, U-N-L-E-A-S-H at checkout for $5 off of any sample pack with free shipping. Now let's get back to Maxine Tatlonghari. So you work with your brother, right? I do. That's so cool. How did that partnership come about and what are the challenges and benefits of it? I've been really lucky. I don't have any challenges with him. And I mean, I've worked with other friends and there have been challenges there. Luckily with my brother, there haven't been any, but people say don't work with family, don't work with, you know, so yeah, I've had none and the benefits are I trust him implicitly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he has a really good skill set to compliment mine. He's very much a numbers person and, and a compliance type person. I'm the creative and it just, it works. And that's exactly how we also approached when our parents got sick. You know, we had, we held different roles. Like I'm a strong project manager. I can get in, I can organize it all. And how do we creatively get through this? And then he'll figure out the finances and how do you keep everything on track? So that's a great tip. When you do work with someone, whether it's your brother or your partner or a friend, it has to have a complementary skill set because if not, it's doomed. And I think too, like communication, like how do you handle, here's, I think, how do you handle adversity? You know, like when your parents are sick, that is adversity. And he and I and my sister-in-law have just always been able to just get through it. And we don't fight. We just look at what we have in front of us and that's a blessing. And I've worked with friends where, you know, if we don't even pick the same restaurant, we'll have a huge fight. <laughs> it's probably a sign you should not get into business together. So how do you handle those type of any kind of challenge? And you want someone that you can communicate with. I'm not saying you always have to agree, but when you disagree, can we do that respectfully and productively? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so sorry about your parents. Thank you. I, I could tell you're, you were very close to them, right? Yeah. And I think when you... I mean, when you lose your parents, you can't help but feel a little like an orphan. Yeah. You know, one of my best friends here in West Hollywood, she lost her parents. So we tend to spend all of our holidays together because we're like orphans. And you <laughs> so. understand each other. Mm-hmm. And I know that you lost your mom to lung cancer. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and you're part of something called Lung Force now, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to hear a little bit about that. But also, I think that going through something like that can have a real impact on obviously your whole life, but absolutely your creative life. And so how, first of all, how did you get through that? And what's your advice for other people who have lost a parent? And how did you find your creativity and passion again? And that's a really, that's a tough one. Because I was pretty young when I lost my mother. And I would say, I mean, I went through kind of a wild phase, you know, just to like forget that it ever happened. Or not that it happened, but to forget the pain. You had to numb it for a while. I had to numb. it was so intense. Yeah. So, you know, I went through a little bit of a wild phase. And then... Uh, I would say now that I've kind of, it's been a few years is uh, I have that fundraising background and that special event background. So I am able to give back to a cause that I care about and engage other leaders and people to that also have that mission or that passion for that cause. So yeah, with the American Lung Association and that's, and I come out of American Cancer Society. So that fundraising background is sort of in my DNA. Right. That, that philanthropic bone, it does, never goes away. So as time allows and different, depending on the circumstance of my life, I kind of do more of it and less of it. it sort of ebbs and flows. So it sounds like if somebody is going through that right now, do whatever you need to to get through within reason. And be kind and to yourself. And then be kind to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Support yourself with people who really love you and see you and, and will be patient with you. And then when you're ready, give back. Right. And don't feel like you have to give back right away. I didn't. Right. You know, it's been a few years. And so I'm now in a place where I can. 
right away, I just had to numb. And so, and that's part of people grieve differently. So I don't think there's any right or wrong way to get grieve. It will get better. Get the support you need, whether that's through a church bereavement group or therapy or whatever makes you feel better. Talking to your friends, you know, do that. How do your parents and their memory inspire you in what you're doing now? My dad was fearless. <laughs> I'm named after my dad. His name was Maximo. I'm Maxine. And my mom was kind. She would always say, follow your heart. So I feel like my mom is the heart and my dad is sort of the the free spirit. Mm. Yeah. And they were really like that together. Well, you you live that perfectly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you really so do. Sweet. That That is what your energy is. Oh, thank you. It's driven. It's kind. It's free. And it's mm-hmm. hard to be all those things at once. I think freedom is my highest value probably. Yeah. Like I hate to be caged. Is that the thesis statement of your life? Like if you had to pick, because I always say it's like you'll have what you do, but then there's this greater thesis statement that kind of guides your whole life. Would what would you freedom? say yours is? I mean, yeah, if I, yeah, freedom is, is well, a big part of it. Um, follow your heart. It's probably another one. Be kind and also like be you. Mm-hmm. You can only win your race. And I think, especially in a city like LA, it's so easy to compare yourself to everybody else and what everybody else has. Why don't I have that? That's human. But at the end of the day, you have your race, you have your mm-hmm. voice, you have your creativity. Like be the best at that that you can be because no one else can do that. No one else can be you. And so, and that's a, something you have to remind yourself all the time. Yeah. I think it's just so easy to compare yourself in this culture. I mean, we're just given tools to do that all, all the time. Day. Especially, yeah, social media, yeah. we do that too. I mean, it's part of it. But we need tools and we need to remember to, if we don't have them, make tools to get back to who we really are. Yeah. And to trust your voice yeah. and to and to put it out there. I know that with you and doing your podcast, you know, even you question like, is this right? Even with your radio background right. and all of that experience you've had, it's like, no, you do. You have a mission. It's about how do you encourage people to be more creative and right. and do that fearlessly. Like that's a mission. That's a passion. And no one else is going to do that like you. Right. Yeah. And remembering that maybe someone's done what you've done before, but they haven't done it in the way you can do it. Exactly. Yeah. No one's done it like, and, and as for me, when I launched, nobody else was doing these vanity mirrors. I now have competitors and I have to remind myself like, sure, it can be a product, but they're not you. It's not your heart. It's not your voice. It's not your vision. You know, so your tribe is going to, will resonate with you. Your customers will resonate with you. Your listeners will resonate with you. Even if someone else has done it before, it's not quite the way that you're doing it. Right. I think fear is the root of all evil. (laughs) And certainly fear of failure stops us from doing so many things. If someone who's listening right now is about to embark upon a project, but having that moment where they're like, it's the oh shit moment. We're like, I don't know if I should do it. I don't know if it's (laughs) right. How can they talk themselves off the fear ledge? My god sister says, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm. And I would think also maybe think back to a time when you were afraid and you did it anyway, whether it was traveling somewhere or starting a new school or, you know, you, you have faced fear before and you got through it. And so I think remembering those times that you walked through the fear. Right. And yeah. use that same energy now. And people say too, and I think this is true, fear and excitement kind of feel the same. Yes. Right? That's the butterflies in the stomach, the, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Like, uh, it's like, uh, uh, uh. So maybe you can reframe, like, is this fear or am I excited or am I both? Right. Get really in touch with yourself and ask how you're feeling instead of assuming how you're feeling. Right. And it's like, if you're going to future cast, like why future cast something bad? Because you can also future cast like something good, right? Right. Like both have an option of opportunity of happening. Like, yeah, you could fall straight on your face, but you could also have the next big thing. Like, both are possible. You've manifested a lot. Yeah. So (laughs) what – because you mentioned the binders. What besides the binders do you do to help yourself manifest? I really try – I really try to visualize. Okay. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What do you hear? Like, to involve all of your senses. What are you seeing? What are you Is it almost like a movie when you're doing it Mm -hmm. in your mind? When it's really strong, it's like a movie. Wow. Or almost even sometimes like a memory. Oh, right. Like I went through a really tough breakup a few years ago and I moved to Paris and I did it like uh, the holiday style. I traded an apartment on Craigslist and I saw my life in Paris. I was going to take a writing class. 
I was going to wear red lipstick and bangs. <laughs> I wanted a French boyfriend. <laughs> you know? Did you get one? Yeah. Yes, girl. <laughs> so, yes, I did. And um, Shout out to French boyfriend. Hello. <laughs> and so, but, you know, you, you kind of like, I saw it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that you can do that. So when you're creatively blocked... If you ever get it. I don't know if you do. You're- oh, sure. Everyone gets okay. creative. I was blocked. like, I feel like you're just constantly in a flow state. And no, I, no, like, no, no. So what do you do when you are creatively blocked? I want to go somewhere where I'm inspired. I think this is a perfect – Lapeer Hotel, where we are right now, this is a great example of somewhere I can go that I get inspired because there is art on the walls. And I know some of the artists who have done those pieces. And I saw this when it was – I was wearing a hard hat the first time I saw this property. So I'm a visual person. And so I want to go somewhere where I'm visually attracted to what I'm looking at. So that's one thing. I also love podcasts and YouTube videos. I love James Altucher. I listen to his show a lot. But I like I like to listen to those kind of things and to get myself out of whatever negative headspace might be invading and blocking me. Because, <laughs> yeah, of course, it happens. We're human. Right. Priming yourself is a great thing, though, when you feel blocked to like listen to something else that inspires you. That's a great note. Mm -hmm. And so whether that be auditory through podcasts, like if I'm in my car, sometimes I'm listening to the radio and other times I think I should listen to something that's going to inspire me or get me stronger for what I need to do next. And um, again, visually is big for me. So I'll go somewhere that I just feel inspired because I'm around it and I love it. And tell me a little bit about your blog. I was oh. looking at it. <laughs> Which, so, it's very cute. Thank you. The Vanity Girl Diaries. Yes. That one is a little more my um, my blogger side. Uh-huh. So it's like travel and beauty and restaurants. And I create content too for the West Hollywood Travel and Tourism Board. So that's just something that's always been a part of Vanity Girl. The brand is also what is the lifestyle. So I just love to write about things I like and that I find interesting. Would you ever write a book? You know, some people have asked me that. Yeah. I would love to write a book. I feel like I would need a ghost writer or like a writing partner. Hmm. I need some of that accountability. I think I would only go partner for you. I think you're supposed to write it. Yeah. Are you feeling that? Yeah. I love how you just closed yeah. your eyes when you said that. She's like channeling right now. <laughs> I, I get yeah, the feeling I think you're supposed I, to, especially with the the part uh, about your parents that I just really feel strongly about it. I think okay. you're supposed to write it and you're supposed to share that part because there's so many people that are so brokenhearted over that kind oh, of loss yeah. and the fact that you went on and you went on so strong and you use their memory as a driving force. It would be really powerful. Yeah. yeah. I think you're a writer. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I do. I love to write. I do yeah. love to write. It, and you know what? Going back to what you said yeah. about like creativity being a birth, when I write, it is almost like birth. Yeah. It's painful and it's it's. I want to put hard in air quotes. But when it's done, I'm so proud. Yeah. So it's not always the easiest thing to do to do the thing that, you know, feeds your soul. But when it's done, it feels really good. Right. And I think – I think that if we're expecting the creative process to be easy, like there's a difference. Like I said, there's the flow state, which is like when things just feel right, but it doesn't mean that it's not taking effort. Life yeah. is ceaseless effort. It is. It you is. know, and yeah. you just have to keep coming back. And if you feel like you're in the right place, the effort, you'll feel it, but it won't feel draining. Yeah. It's that's invigorating a, almost. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and I think part of that is because you want it to be so good. Right. Like I have a friend that's working on a clothing line and it's hard because she wants it to be so good. And I know when she gives birth to it, it's going to be like, which is very different than like something that you have to do that you hate, like your taxes. Right. <laughs> that That's hard and it hurts and my, brain and my brain doesn't work that way. So I'm not like inspired, but my brother loves to do taxes. God bless him. You know? I need to meet this brother. <laughs> love that he's just like up there with the numbers oh, calculating about lo- like Excel That's spreadsheets amazing. all day. That's I don't sh- talk to enough people that are like, what is that? Is that left brain? Left brain. Yeah. I couldn't even remember what side of the brain it was. I got so intimidated by him. <laughs> like, I, you know what? I used to be like that too. Yeah. Like when people would talk about the operations or the finance or the yeah. compliance side of my business, I'm like, oh, I'm a creative. But now that I've been more exposed to that, I actually like it. It's never where I'm going to go first. Right. But I'm not afraid of it and I appreciate it. Well, I think that's a good note too because it's important to know all sides of it. So first of all, you never get screwed. Not that your brother ever would, but like with no, other business people oh, no, that you're working true, with. that's true because, you know, I have been screwed. Yeah. We, <laughs> by other we people. all have mm-hmm. been, you know, yeah. and it's it's really smart to know every aspect so no one can ever take advantage of you and you have respect for the people that are doing those jobs within your organization. 100%. So that's a yeah. good note. No, it, yeah. 
And and I think that's where something like working with the Chamber of Commerce on the board, because we do have people that fill those roles, mm-hmm. I do get a very holistic exposure to so many different sides of an organization. So that helps me stay strong too. Right. You know, because we do, we go through a budget, we go through finances, we have compliance things that we're dealing with, zoning and other things that I may not necessarily talk about when I'm thinking of influencers and strategic collaboration. Right. You're not like, like what's your zoning though? Right. But I, I we talk about it and <laughs> right. I know what it is. I'm never going to do that for a living, but I know what it is. Yes. Yeah. Plus, it's like if you're ever on Jeopardy, good to have more information. I know. I, I let, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason. Um, okay. Two more questions. Yeah. We talked about basically your friend who it sounds like is a perfectionist, which can be a beautiful thing, but it can also drive you crazy and be a real inhibitor to progress. How do you get over perfectionism and not let perfect be the enemy of good? That's a really – I think that is a ongoing discussion with creatives. Right. Right. You know, you have people that say, I will not put out anything out that is less than 100%. And you've also got people that say done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think that it lives somewhere in the middle. Yes. And I think it depends on what it is. Like when it comes to my vanities, they're going in people's homes. So yes, we have to make sure that that is perfect. You know, but does this blog post have to be the most perfect thing I've ever written? No. Does this tweet? Yeah. So I think that there are scales and yeah. Know the situation you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that there is like, don't let perfection stand in the way of the good. Yes. Yeah. And done is better than perfect. I think sometimes you just say those things and get through it. Right. Just get it done. Suck it up and put your work out. Just get it done. Yeah. And it is scary to put something creative out in the world Mm -hmm. because people might say something and guess what? They might and you're going to be okay. Yeah. You'll live. You'll be okay. (laughs) You've lived through worse. Most likely. You've lived through worse. You'll be okay. Okay. So I want to go back to little Maxine, (laughs) our friend. (laughs) Okay. Because I feel creativity is directly linked to the inner child. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if little five-year-old Maxine was standing in front of you right now, waving hi, (laughs) what do you think she would say to you and why? I think she would say, continue to play. I think she would say, continue to play because it's going to all be all right. And what would you say to her? I will always take care of you. I've always got you. (laughs) That's beautiful. Maxine, I love you. Thank you so oh, much for coming you, and sharing your wisdom and insight. Yeah, thank You're you. an incredible woman and well, sky's the limit. You're going to do everything you want to and more. Well, thank you for putting this podcast together. And I really hope that the listeners got one thing from what we talked about today that can help them put their dream out into the universe. Thank you so much for listening and to our amazing guest, Maxine Tatlanghari. For more information about Vanity Girl Hollywood, check out VanityGirlHollywood.com and VanityGirlPopUp.com. On Vanity Girl Pop-Up, you can find those cute little travel vanities, which she gave me, and they are honestly so amazing. Lights you up, makes you look great, and you can see your whole face really well, so you're not going to make a weird error with your makeup that you don't see until you get into the sunshine, like I've done so many times. <laughs> you can follow her on social media at Vanity Girl Hollywood and at the Vanity Girl Diaries. Thanks to Ashley Daniels for booking Maxine on the show and for your creative consulting. Follow her at Miss Ashley Daniels. Thanks to my co-producer, Juliette Vibert. Follow her at Bonjour Juliette. And thank you for again supporting this show. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, post about it, and tell a friend. Please let me know what kind of creatives you want to hear on the show too and topics that would be most helpful to you. You can reach out to me on social media at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative on Instagram and Facebook and at You Are Creative on Twitter. Continue to send me your creative check-ins so I can feature them here and on our socials. And please know that you are capable, strong, and I believe in you. Go toward your dreams. Life is short and you deserve to get your vision and your voice out there. Talk next week.